This is Thoughts from the Metal Cavern, where only one opinion matters, and it's not yours. So round nine wasn't quite as simple a round to predict, though the upsets came from different angles and have shown up some deficiencies where one would not have expected. Panthers lost a game. That at least can stop the speculation that a team can go through undefeated in the modern age. The Broncos came to Sydney without arguably their two most important players and still towered up the Rabbits. The Knights and the Titans continued their decline and with it the health of the employment of their coaches going forward. The Storm failed to score 50 points in their clash against the Dragons, probably the one thing Craig Bellamy can get stuck into his team for this weekend. While the Warriors have again seemed to have changed their team with one from the underworld from the horror movie Us, as they got smashed by a 12-man Sharks team that simply had no right to win. On today's episode, we'll have a look back at the round to try and decipher just what the hell is going on. Today's talking point will discuss the mooted possibility last week of Papua New Guinea becoming the 18th team in the NRL, and whether that is a way to offset the discussion that there isn't enough depth of players to allow a 17th team, let alone an 18th. And of course, we'll look ahead to next week's magic round and try and sort out whether we will see as many players dismissed this season as we did last season. All of that and much, much less on today's edition of In League with the NRL, on the podcast that has as much credibility as a Will Smith apology. Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. The Weekly Wrap-Up. Hi everyone and thanks for coming back for another informative or informative-less episode of In League with the NRL. So we've all got through round nine, can you believe it? Nine rounds in and uh, is the competition beginning to start to form into the way it's doing? Is it breaking into two competitions once again? Well... I think there's certainly three competitions, but we can talk about that a little later on. But let's have a look back at the round that was. And on Thursday night, the Rabbitohs hosted the Broncos, and the Broncos were far the better team, getting up 32-12. to At halftime, they led 12-6, which was as big enough surprise as it was, but the fact was that they just went away in that second half. And to be look, to be honest, is there any way in the current competition, that the Broncos should have been able to travel to Sydney and steal the points against last year's grand finalists. So the Broncos were missing Payne Haas and Kurt Capewell, who I know that Adam Reynolds is one of their major players, which he proved on the night. But they're two of Brisbane's most important players, 
and that Brisbane came down without them and still dominated the game. And he may have missed their opening round clash, which Brisbane also won, but Adam Reynolds was front and centre for this homecoming and uh, he put that former team to the sword, absolutely gave it to them. So what now for South? Now South are are missing a couple of players, but they've got some real problems at the moment in uh, regards to their attack as well as their defence. And uh, I don't know how they're going to solve those in the interim. Whereas the Broncos, of course, now are jumping up and down and calling themselves they're back and we're in the finals positions and we can win grand finals again and surely no one actually believes that. Uh, on Friday night, the first game was the Raiders and the Bulldogs. The Raiders managed to find a way to win, eventually going away with a 14-4 victory. And they led 10-0 at half time. They played the game without Jack Whiten, and uh, it saw the return of Matt Frawley, and uh, he played a great game. So is he back in the mix for the Raiders? Is he someone who could possibly turn their season around? There was absolutely nothing magnificent about this match. It was uh, it was a difficult game to watch, let alone be playing in it, I suggest. But certainly the Raiders, who didn't play amazing footy, but my goodness, winning must be better than losing. At least Ricky didn't have to go quite so crazy this week. The Bulldogs had enough chances to compete in the game, but their attacks just still isn't good enough to be able to break those defensive lines, eh, unless they're playing the Roosters. <laughs> On Friday night, saw uh, the most anticipated match of the round, and it was the Panthers and the Eels out there at Panther Stadium, and the Eels got up 22-20, to in a game that seesawed backwards and forwards, it was 10 all at half time. In some ways, Parramatta were lucky to be in the game at half time. Uh, the Panthers had a try scored that was then overruled because of an obstruction that was basically just Dylan Brown putting his hands in the air saying, A player touched me. And then Parramatta were awarded a penalty try that uh, seemed to be a little bit premature, really. Uh, surely a penalty could have sufficed there. But then the Panthers scored a try on the back of one of the biggest knock-ons you'll ever see from Kikau, and that was not picked up by one official on the ground. So that's a fantastic effort by the uh, referees and the linesmen. The Eels once again have shown that in the regular season, they can compete and beat the best teams in the competition. They've done it for some time. But they still need to be able to do it at finals time, to be a chance of uh, winning a competition. There were four tries each for both teams. It was only Mitchell Moses' boot, which ended up uh, giving Parramatta the advantage. And the thing is, Panthers couldn't win every game. There was no way they were going to go all season without losing. So if you're going to lose, they probably didn't want to lose this game, the, the local derby, and both teams were very hard on the game. And it was uh, it certainly tough out in the centre. I'm glad I wasn't out there on the field. But it might be what the Panthers needed before they clashed with the Storm this weekend. The Eels in some quarters once again have now been mentioned as one of the three teams who are really in the, with a chance of winning the Premiership this year. But given they got toweled up by the North Queensland Cowboys the previous week, I think they've still got plenty to prove before being able to say that that is anywhere near true. On Saturday, we started off with the Sea Eagles against the Tigers, and the Sea Eagles got away with the win, and 
deserved to win, don't get me wrong. 36-22 to 22 was the final score. At halftime, it was 14-0 to Manly, and the Tigers hadn't been disgraced. Now, the Tigers had a player in the sin bin in the 32nd minute, and Manly scored twice, once before halftime and once straight after halftime, to lead 18-0. But then the Tigers got back and scored two converted tries to get back to 18-12 after 55 minutes, and they really did look like they were back in the game. Further errors allowed Manly to score twice in five minutes from that point and pretty much put the game um, within, from, well, well, you know, beyond doubt. That's the word I was looking for, beyond, not within, beyond doubt. Good one, Bill. Um, Manly, of course, will be pleased to be back in the top eight and be hoping that they're able to uh, revitalise their season. Well, if the Tigers can rule out the errors they've got in their game, they still have a really good opportunity to win more games this season than they lose. Uh, I was quietly impressed with the way the Tigers went about it, and if they'd been able to to uh, defend better and rule out those errors, then they were still in with a chance of winning that game in the second half. We'll see how they go next week. The second game on Saturday was the Roosters and the Titans, and again, the Titans really had to win and never really looked like they were going to. At halftime, the Roosters led 24-10 and eventually ran out winners by 44-16. Tedesco bagged a hat-trick. Uh, Suali and Tupo both scored doubles. And uh, I don't think there's much doubt that the Roosters would have copped a bit of a blast after the recent weeks, and especially after last weekend's loss to the Bulldogs. And they certainly made sure that they came out and put the Titans to the sword and uh, showed no mercy in the long run. Trent Robinson will certainly be hoping for more of the same going forward in order to get their season back on track. For the Titans, though, they just can't take a trick at the moment and their season is absolutely teetering after making the finals last year and looking like they were a really good finals team this season. They are now in all sorts of trouble. The third game on Saturday night was the Cowboys and the Knights and uh, the Knights, of course, had scored just a penalty goal in each of their last two games while having about 90 points put on them. Well, at half time, the Knights led 16-12 and there were two late tries in that half to get them to that point. But they were really good in that first half. They'd found a way to score, which you know they must be very pleased about. Uh, the attack was great. The defence held the Cowboys in check. However, after half time, things all went back to the normal Newcastle. There was drop ball, there was missed tackles, there was low energy, and that really killed them off as the Cowboys ran over the top with two tries scored from uh, kicks before the line with only one player going up to catch the ball and then rushing over the line untouched by Knights uh, defenders. It was... Uh, that was an embarrassing look at the end of the game. For the Cowboys, Todd Payton has really found something this season and he's doing a terrific job with the Cowboys to have them up there in third spot. Whereas at the Knights, uh, O'Brien had his head in his hands more than I think he was watching the game by the end. There were some things in that first half that w- would have made him happy, but uh, unfortunately at the moment I don't know where the answers are coming to try and stop this uh, tide of points being scored against them. On Sunday, the storm continued to roll on and defeated the Dragons 42-6 to down there in uh, Amy Park in Melbourne. 
The score was only 12-0 at halftime, and the Dragons had played reasonably well, but in the second half, the storm just went over the top. Uh, Pappenhausen, Jerome Hughes, Cameron Munster were all terrific. Pappenhausen's injury, or a couple of injuries that he had, to be honest, uh, will be concerning for the team uh, going forward. But overall, uh, Melbourne are just motoring forward. The Dragons weren't humiliated in the result, but they really need to be able to rebound quickly from that game if they want to remain in the finals race this season. And the final game of the weekend was uh, one of the more remarkable, I guess, in recent times. The Sharks played the Warriors there at Endeavour Field. And after leading 12-10 at halftime, the Sharks went on to win 29-10. But no matter how tough the Warriors have been travelling, this game is now going to send shockwaves through the club and their season. They lost to Melbourne two weeks ago. It happened. They had 50-odd points put on them in the second half, and they lost 70-10. to 10. It happened. But then they found a way to beat Canberra last week, as we know, with the last-minute penalty and then the golden point field goal. But this week, they couldn't beat the Sharks, who had Will Kennedy sent off in the 16th minute. And then they were down to 11 men for 10 minutes when Jesse Ramian had been sin-bin for another high tackle. Now... There's no doubt in the world that he should have been sent off. It was a ridiculous tackle, uh, if you want to call it that, uh, with the shoulder first into the head. So the Sharks should have been playing with 11 men for the rest of the game. And that the funny part about it is that most people sort of think even if that had happened, the Sharks would have won. The fact that the Sharks won so convincingly in this way, with only 12 men and then with 11 men for 10 minutes, and rarely looked like being scored against after that initial period of Will Kennedy being set off, is really hard to comprehend. So there are big questions for both clubs in regards to this game. The Warriors are at a real crossroads of their season. They should not. They should have won this game with the way with some of them having been set off from the field, and yet they've been towed up. So. I don't know what Nathan Brown does to sort of change that around. The Sharks have shown a lot of guts and a lot of determination to win and probably belief, and you'd have to expect that the new coach has been instilling that in all the players, and that shone through yesterday more than anything else, just their absolute belief in themselves to still win that game despite being a man down. And that's the weekly wrap-up. And now, here's this week's Talking Point. We go into this week's Talking Point with the the new Redcliffe team, or the Dolphins as they want to be called, they don't want to be nominated as the Redcliffe, coming into the competition next year as the 17th club of the NRL era. Uh, Now, there's a lot of problems at the moment, in the media at least, being Sean saying that uh, the club is having trouble recruiting players and how are they going to getting a marquee man and how are they going to compete next year when they come into the competition against these NRL clubs? Well, that's all going to be uh, discussed until the start of next season and beyond next season into how the Redcliffe team goes. But what else has been talked about is a possible 18th team. Now, there's no doubt that having a buy in the draw probably doesn't work well for the NRL all their media partners, and I'm sure the media partners would like an extra game every weekend to be able to show to the viewing public. So an 18th team 
you would think is a definite probability over the next perhaps five years. Now, last week, uh, there was a move, or certainly reported in the media, that a PNG team from Papua New Guinea would uh, be looking to enter the NRL competition. Now, of course, at the moment, we have a, a, a New Guinea team in the Queensland Cup, uh, the Hunters, the Papua New Guinea Hunters, who have won that competition before, uh, but in recent years haven't been quite as strong as they were before. They currently play their home games out of the Gold Coast. Uh, and before that, I believe they played out of uh, Mackay or Cairns. So historically and currently, that is what is occurring. There is a team from New Guinea who actually plays in basically the second tier competition in uh, rugby league in Australia. So is it a far, such a far-fetched possibility that a Papua New Guinea team could be the next team installed into the NRL competition? Now, of course, you've got all the other uh, clubs who nominated to try and be that 17th uh, club as well, who will probably try again. There's still a couple of uh, bids from Brisbane for to be another Brisbane team. Uh, there's been a long-term uh, view from the old North Sydney Bears to try and resurrect them uh, coming out of the Central Coast, out of Gosford. And, of course, there's also the thought of having a second New Zealand team in order to have uh, the extra team there so you could have uh, local derbies and a, a bigger influence on rugby league in New Zealand rather than just having the one team to focus on. And beyond that, of course, there's a continued thought that perhaps country New South Wales should have a representation in the NRL competition, whether it's a team, a standalone team based out of, say, Wagga or out of Dubbo or, or some of those locations, or whether there should just be a, a, a combined New South Wales country team that is built up to, to play at a, a centre in country New South Wales and bring them into the NRL competition. In the long run, uh, money will be the thing that answers that question. And even though we obviously are looking to make sure that there is enough depth in the playing talent to make sure that all the teams are competitive. Uh, we also need to have money to make sure that those teams are viable. And it's the reason that certainly that uh, Illawarra fell out of the competition, which, you know, if you think that a, a, a town like Wollongong cannot sustain its own rugby league team, then it's going to be very difficult for many other centres in Australia to be able to do so as well without corporate backing. So it's money that's important. It's player depth that's important. And we'll certainly see that next year once uh, the Redcliffe Dolphins begin their journey in the NRL as to how competitive they can be uh, with the players that they're able to attract. So is it something that if a team from Papua New Guinea came in, such as the team that's playing now in the Queensland competition, that already have a great number of Papua New Guinea um, locals playing in that team, that it would only take three or four players, uh, marquee players, to be brought into a team such as that to have them at NRL uh, standard to come into the competition. So 
obviously, you, if you watch the Hunters, and you only get occasional games that I've seen, I must admit, seeing them play, but they are like a lot of the Islanders teams. They like to throw the ball around. They probably don't like to tackle too much. But it's exciting to watch. Now, if you could bring some heavy hitters into that team, and I, I, by that I mean some some big-name players that could be attracted into that, and if the team has to be based in Australia as such because of uh, any disturbances that may be seen to always be occurring in PNG in Port Moresby, then that would be attractive to having, uh, say, Australian players playing in that team if they were based in Australia. Uh, now, whether it's uh, logistically possible, whether it's even going to be considered for five, six years, depending on how this 17th team goes, you have to think that one of two things is going to happen, which is either uh, an 18th team will be admitted or that a team will, that a current team that was in the competition will end up dropping out. Obviously, and I know I harp on about this a fair bit, what I would like to see is another two teams to come in and let's have 20 teams and then let's cut the competition in two and let's have a first division and a second division. But, you know, I already spoke about this last year and I think I spent a whole episode doing it. So if you're interested in my thoughts on that, go back and have a look for it. You'll see it in season one of this podcast. It's an interesting discussion. And the fact that uh, Papua New Guinea have brought this up themselves to 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 uh, bring to light that they wish to maybe be considered for a future license in the NRL is going to continue to keep this conversation going. And for me, that's a good thing for rugby league. We need to continue to be able to uh, expand the game and the more teams we can have at the top level, then the better off the whole game should be. But what's happening next week? All right. Well, it's magic round. And then, does everyone else remember Magic Round last year where we had this uh, massive crackdown on tackles above the shoulder or whatever it was and we had several players sent off and we had more than several players sin bin for all this kind of thing and the games were decided on the back of the whistle and then two weeks later it was all forgotten and it didn't happen again. Oh my goodness, can you believe that? It's a year ago since all that. Let's assume that that's not going to happen again this year and that all the teams and all the games will go ahead like normal rugby league games. So let's have a look and uh, see if I can help you out with a few uh, tips. Friday night's 6 o'clock game is a beauty. It's 15th against 16th and there's nothing like seeing the two bottom teams on the ladder playing each other in a festival game like this. So it's the Bulldogs against the Knights and at the moment... Could you back the Knights to win anything? Could you back them to win a chook raffle? Because they're just struggling. Apart from about 20 minutes of their match last weekend, uh, they haven't looked like it for a long time. Bulldogs are showing glimpses and beat the Roosters. <laughs> they beat the Roosters. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, look, I'm, I'd seriously like to back the Knights, um, but... It would have to be uh, a bet much like those who backed the Tigers to beat the Earls a few weeks ago. It would just be one where they just said something's got to happen. But you'd have to assume that if the Bulldogs lose this, there's going to be all sorts of problems and Phil Gould might have to come and give another talk. So let's 
Let's back the Bulldogs in in that first game. The Friday night 8 o'clock game, which of course will feature the Broncos because everyone in Queensland wants to watch a game at 8 o'clock on Friday night. The Seagulls against the Broncos, 7th against 8th. Now, if you're from Brisbane, uh, you'd be saying that Brisbane are odds-on to win this game and will absolutely decimate the Seagulls. The Manly supporters will be saying the Broncos are pretenders and Manly will win this easily. Everyone else in the comp doesn't care who wins. They hate them both. No one cares. And as a result, I will put my tip to Manly to beat the Broncos, uh, given that we can only assume that there are now three Trebojeviches and there's still one to come, and that uh, the Trebojevich clan will be able to find a way to win there at Lang Park. On Saturday, we start with the Warriors and the Rabbitohs, two very, very ordinary performances from both of these teams in recent weeks, and... (laughs) Both coaches must be pulling their hair out and wondering where they're going to go. The Rabbitohs couldn't beat the Broncos, who didn't have half their team. The Warriors couldn't beat the Sharks, who only had 11 players on the paddock. So this is a real toss-your-coin stuff. Which Warriors will turn up this week? Will the Rabbitohs finally find a way to win without a halfback? Look, the head says the Rabbitohs must win. But the Warriors are just as likely to turn up and belt the crap out of them and win by 20 points with with their 13 players. So I'm going to say... I'm going to say the Warriors. (laughs) That's going to bite me in the arse. 5.30 game. uh, We see the Titans against the Dragons. Another game where the teams have been... Well, that's probably unfair on the Dragons. The Titans have been extraordinarily disappointing. They've lost, what's that, seven in a row now after winning their first two games or something like that. And the Dragons had won three in a row but then got whipped by the Storm. So form tells you that the Dragons should win this game because they had won their three games and then have been defeated by the team who's one of the favourites this season. The Titans have struggled against all comers and unable to do something. So you can absolutely bet $1,000 that the Titans will win this week because they are absolutely due. And so that's what I would be going for. I would think the Titans will beat the Dragons. The blockbuster match of the whole Magic round, which is what they'll certainly be hoping for, is the Storm against the Panthers. So when they decide to play this game on Magic round, you can, you can bet that the NRL wanted exactly what has happened. That the Storm and the Panthers will be first and second on the oh, excuse me, on the table, and they are. So the Panthers have, the last couple of weeks have been uh, probably not at 100%. They beat the Titans, but the the first half the Titans were stuck with them. And then last week they lost to the Eels, but again, a very close loss. Whereas the Storm have scored over 150 points in their last three games and conceded, what, uh, 25, 30, something like that. So that would, you know, if you were just going off stats, you would say that the Storm will win this game. I'll be interested to see exactly how the Panthers fight back after last week. Uh, They will not have been happy to have lost to Parramatta at home. Uh, The Storm have seemed to have had an easier run. 
Now, whether Pappenhausen plays, he got injured on the weekend, whether he plays is also going to be really important as to their chances. I'm going to go with the Panthers. It does feel like it's something that they've lost one and they'll probably lose two in a row like they did um, last year and that people will start thinking, oh, they were going with the ball and they can't win the comp and then they won the comp. It does feel like that might happen again, that they might lose two or three in a row here and the Eels game was just the first of them. But I just think that if Pappenhausen doesn't play, uh, the pressure's really going to be on the Storm to try and not only hold the Panthers out, but find a way to get through the way they have been with Pappenhausen running onto that ball. So I'm going to go with the Panthers. Unless Pappenhausen is a fit, and then I will choose to decide later on as to whether I change my decision. Three games on Sunday as well. The Sharks are playing the Raiders. Uh, of course, everyone will remember the Raiders got up and won that game in the first round when the Sharks were well in front. Um, sorry, yes. And I can anyone see the Raiders winning this game? I, I, I just can't see it happening. Uh, I know that they... Oh, they're away from home. They won't win. Uh, not even worth going into. Sharks will win that comfortably. <laughs> uh, the second game is the Roosters against the Eels, sixth against fifth. Um, both coming off good wins on the weekend. We know how the Eels play. They're going to throw the ball around, and that's that's the way they like to, to win games. The Roosters will be aware of that, and they'll be looking to charge up the middle and then have their halves dink around and then throw it out to the wings. I'm tipping the Roosters simply because I want them to lose and I feel that the best way to have them to lose is to actually tip them to win. Uh, So that is exactly what I'm going to do. Carry that weight, Roosters. The final game of the weekend is the Tigers against the Cowboys. You'd have to be very brave to back the Tigers to win this game against the Cowboys in their current form. Uh, but again, being as they're both playing at a neutral venue, uh, there is there is the possibility that the Tigers could get up and surprise. Like I said, the Tigers showed good things last week against the Seagulls despite losing. Uh, the Cowboys obviously were far too good in their game. Seriously, I can't see the Tigers winning this game. So it'd be the Cowboys... Um, Fairly comfortably, I would suspect, unless something goes terribly, terribly wrong. So let's have a quick look at the ladder now after nine rounds, and we're starting to see the way things are are going to turn out by the end of the season, I suggest. Uh, Out in front on 16 points from eight wins and one loss are the Storm and the Panthers. And there's now a two-game break back to third, fourth, and fifth. The Cowboys, the Sharks, and the Eels, who are all on 12 points, and then another further game back, uh, three teams in equal sixth, which is the Roosters, the Seagulls, and the Broncos. Now, beyond that, the teams you would think, and I've been proven wrong before, that the only teams that could really challenge for semi-final positions from this point on would be those, which would be the Rabbitohs, the Warriors, and the Dragons, who are all one game outside the eight on eight points. For anyone else to try and break into that top eight now, they've got to win two more games than everybody in front of them for the rest of the season. And I don't think those teams can do that. The Raiders are on six points with three wins and six losses. 
even if they can get back to even parity, that I don't know that that's going to get anyone into the top eight this year. Uh, and then at the bottom, we have the last four teams all on four points, which is the Tigers, the Titans, the Bulldogs, and the Knights. And they're really just about a lost cause, all of those four teams. There's still a chance of making They're only, I say only, three games outside the top eight. But again, that means they have to win at least three more games than everybody in front of them for the rest of the season. And that just doesn't seem likely. All right, well, thanks for tuning in once again to In League with the NRL. I hope it was uh, slightly informative uh, and uh, that you got uh, a bit of a giggle about the fact that the Roosters lost two weeks ago and you know, they might have won this weekend, but still, I still got a giggle out of them losing. Let's hope they do it again this weekend. That'll be even more funny. Yes. Let's see how that goes for next week. Alrighty, thanks once again, everybody. And uh, remember, if you can get to the games, get to them. If not, watch them on TV and talk about the game because the way it's going, uh, sometimes you think that rugby league is not dying, but it's losing some interest. Um, And hopefully the games this weekend will prove that that's not the case. Until then, until next time, cheers. And Grant's there. He passes infield for Courier. This will be incredible. Surinan charging, charging. They won't stop him. What a try. What a rugby league try in a grand final. You have been listening to a Metal Cavern production.